time, so if you want to send the kids, the kids can. Great. Otherwise, they can stay here. Uh, glad to have them in the room, too. Either way, whatever works. All right. We are uh, in a series called uh, Dumping uh, Destructive Behavior, and I am absolutely confident that you had an awesome week last week because nobody was complacent, right? This is where you say, yeah, I was not complacent. I was thirsty and hungry. I went after it last week. Lord, it was awesome. I know that happened for you, right? Well, you're really pumping me up today. Thanks. Really feeling really good about all that hard work I did for you last week. Well, all right. I'm going to try again, okay? We're going to try again to try to dump some of those old behaviors that creep into our life. Remember, we're talking about behaviors that are, that are old Adam stuff, they're old Eve stuff. They're part of that old life that the world wants us to live. And we know that Christ came to give us, give us a new life, to recreate us, to, to put on new stuff, and to live a different kind of life. And so we're dumping those old behaviors and we're putting on some new behaviors. Okay? To give you uh, an idea of what we're going to talk about today, why don't you uh, watch the screen and see if you can identify some of these folks. You recognize him? Who do you think it is? Grumpy. That would be Dwarf Grumpy. Yep. Next one. All the Smurf fans, that would be Grouchy Smurf. You can see we're Smurf lovers. There you go. Ah, what I know. Good. So Winnie the Pooh's still hot, huh? Yeah. Okay. How about those guys? Yes, those would be the Muppets Grouchy Old Men. And these guys? Yes, the real Grumpy Old Men, right? Okay. SNL fans, recognize her? Debbie, I love Debbie, yeah. Okay, we got some of those American Idol people in there. I feel a little uncomfortable putting Simon up there. I mean, he's not always that bad, is he? Yeah, okay, whatever, right? Well, okay, so what's the deal? What are all those, what are all those characters seemingly share in common? Well, when I look at all those characters, I see them all as kind of grumpy and grouchy and... Above all, they, they tend to be focused on the negative, right? They tend to be focused on the negative, that when they look at that glass and they see it with half a, you know, half a thing of water in there, the negative folks look at the glass and say, it's half empty, right? Do you know those people? I mean, they're, they're not sitting next to you, hopefully, but uh, some wives are doing some of that, but... Do you, do you know those people? I mean, isn't it true that we've got people in our lives who, who no matter what, what's going on, no matter what's happening in life, they just somehow always seem to look at life in the negative, right? You've got them around you at work. You've got them around you in, in a bunch of circumstances. And they're just those folks. They have this behavior in their life that as things come along, as things happen in their life, they seem to always look at it and receive it and look at the problem of it, right? They just have this attitude of negativity. This is the behavior. If you've got it, we need to help you dump it. Because God's people should be the most confident, positive people that walk on the face of the earth. We ought to be the most confident, God-positive people that walk the face of the earth. Let me give you an example of what it means to be God-confident, and why we can be that God-confident people. It comes from the prophet uh, Elijah. It comes out of 1 Kings. We're going to look at 1 Kings chapters 18 and chapters uh, 19. 
Now, what you need to know in 1 Kings, it's a historical book stuff about the history of Israel, and it's, it's about the kings. 1 Kings, surprise. It's about the kings, right? The reality is that as you go through 1 Kings, you're going to go through this experience of kind of this roller coaster because that's the way it was. There was, there was some kings who were on the throne, and they were awesome kings. They were fantastic kings. And they were always faithful to the Lord, and the prophet was right next to them leading them, and things were great. But then there were other kings, and unfortunately a lot more other kings, who were bad kings. And what made them bad was they led the people away from the experience of following faithfully in God's desire. And always over and against the bad kings, there was also the prophet. And the prophet's job was to confront the king and to confront the people and be confident in God and say, look, even though you're going away from the Lord, God still offers you the opportunity to turn around and get your life right with God. In the chapters we're going to look at, we have the king, who was King Ahab. His wife was Jezebel. Heard the name before? His wife was Jezebel. And the prophet is the prophet Elijah. Now what's taking place is Ahab and Jezebel have led the whole nation away from God and instead they're worshiping a God called Baal. Elijah now stands up as the prophet of God and he says, look, it's time to have a contest. We're going to prove it one way or the other here. We're going to have a contest. So here's what's going to happen. You get all of those false prophets for Baal and any of the other gods you want. You get all those prophets together that you've been supporting, O King Ahab, and you send them to Mount Carmel, and I'll show up, and we'll have a contest to see who really is God. It comes out of 1 Kings 18. He says, Call together everyone from Israel and have them meet me on Mount Carmel. Be sure to bring along the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. She had a big table, didn't she? Holy men. Ahab got everyone together, the king, he got everyone together. Then they went to meet Elijah on Mount Carmel. Elijah stood in front of them and said, How much longer will you try to have it things both ways? If the Lord is God, worship him. If Baal is God, worship him. So you see the contest? He's saying, look, let's have it out. Only the problem is on one side you've got what? You've got the 450 prophets of Baal. You've got the 400 and some prophets of the other god. You've got all these other false prophets and standing over against them is one faithful, God-confident prophet of the high God. Pretty awesome. Is that like God-confident faith? You've got the whole nation over here. You've got all those prophets over here. You've got the king and his wife over here. And all you've got over here is one faithful servant of the Lord who's living a God-confident life that is positive about what God can do in life and says, let's put it to the test. Let's just put it to the test. So what he does is he says to him, here's what we're going to do. Oh, prophets of Baal and all you other prophets, what you need to do is you build an altar to your God and you take a bull and you sacrifice it on that altar and then we'll give you first shot. 
And you call upon your God, and let's see if your God will come and consume with fire the sacrifice that you're offering to him. So that's what they do. They get all the prophets together, they build an altar, they get all the wood around the altar, they kill a bull, they put the bull on the altar, and for six hours, the prophets of Baal and all the false prophets dance around the altar, calling upon their gods to come with fire and consume the altar. They did it for six hours, and then they wore out. I think they're probably like me. I played baseball one night, and I pulled a hamstring. Six hours, and they're done, okay? One night, I'm done for four weeks. Anyway, they quit. Six hours. Nothing happened. Nothing happened. Whose turn is it now? Oh, it's the one faithful prophet of God, God-confident, positive prophet of God, right? It's his turn. What does he do? He builds an altar. He sacrifices the bull on top of the altar. He gets all the wood around the altar, and everything is set. And then look what Elijah does. He told the people, fill four large jars with water and pour it over the meat and the wood. After they did this, he told them, do it two more times. They did exactly as he said until finally the water ran down the altar and it filled the ditch. What is he doing? He builds his altar. He puts wood all around it. Do we have any campers in the crowd? When you start a fire with wood, you don't want your wood wet, right? And yet he intentionally says, put four jars over there. Oh, no, that's not enough. Tell you what, let's just add it all up. Let's put 12 large jars of water over the whole thing and soak that wood so good that it can't soak up any more water and there's water in the ditch around the bottom of the altar the altar just pooled there now why is he doing that why is Elijah doing that because Elijah is living a God confident positive faith life and he understands He wants to create an impossible circumstance so that the only only one who could make this thing happen is God. He, He wants to leave no doubt. He wants to wipe out any possibility of trickery on his part, that somehow he had a secret canister hidden somewhere that lit the fire, right? He wants to make sure there's absolutely no doubt and prove without a shadow of a doubt that God is God. He stands as one against the whole nation, the king, the queen, and all the prophets. And then he turns to God and he prays. When it was time for the evening sacrifice, Elijah prayed. Now look what he asked. Our Lord, you are the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. Now, prove that you are the God of this nation and that I, your servant, have done this at your command. Please answer me so these people will know that you are the Lord God and that you will turn their hearts back to you. What is he asking? He's asking God to prove that he is God. And notice he's asking a second thing. He is asking God to show everybody else that Elijah is his chosen, favorite, God-confident, positive prophet. Isn't he? 
Show everybody else that you're God and show them that I am your favored servant. Show them, prove to them that everything I have done, that I am walking in the path that you have chosen for me, Lord, that I have my confidence in the right place and that place is in you and you alone. And God responds to Elijah quickly. Six hours dancing, jumping around, pulling hamstrings and nothing happens. Elijah prays and it says, The Lord immediately sent fire and it burned up the sacrifice. It burned up the wood and the stones. How awesome is that? Anybody burn up a stone lately? And it burned up the stones. It scorched the ground everywhere around the altar and it dried up every drop of water in the ditch. When the crowd saw what had happened, they all bowed down and they shouted, The Lord is God. The Lord is God. Is that awesome or what? You see, Elijah was living a positive faith, a God-confident life. And God honored that by responding to his prayer. And he showed all of Israel. Can you imagine how high Elijah is right now? I mean, whoa! Huh? I mean, aren't you? You want to talk about dancing? I mean, dance, they were doing, can you, oh, yeah, got it. I mean, are you with me on this? Holy cats on the Mount Carmel, wouldn't you be dancing like crazy saying, my God's God, my God's God, yours isn't, right? He is so high. Things are so awesome. And look what happens next. Here's the learning points. Look what happens next. This God-confident prophet. After this awesome experience, he gives negativity a foothold in his life. 1 Kings 19. Ahab told his wife, Jezebel, what Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets. He did. He killed all those false prophets. She sent a message to Elijah. You killed my prophets, now I'm going to kill you. I pray that the gods will punish me even more severely if I don't do it by this time tomorrow. What happens? Elijah gives a foothold to negativity because somebody said something. Right? And it wasn't even firsthand. He didn't get it right from Jezebel. He got it from a messenger of Jezebel. How often does this happen? How often does this happen that one little word that somebody said that somebody said gets into our ears and it gets into our mind and it gets into our life and all of a sudden we get negative? Somebody said. Think about this. He just had God fulfill His prayer undeniably. And Jezebel says one little negative thing. Notice what she also said. She also says, look, may my gods do to me if I don't get you, right? He just proved her gods can't do squat. And now he's running away in fear. Because negativity, because somebody said, somebody said has now got into his life and he's captured. And that's what happens. Negativity gets a stronghold in our life and it starts working on us and it works on us and it works on us until we're captured 
by negative behavior. What's it do to us? Let's look what happens to Elijah. The first thing that happens to Elijah is he begins to focus on his feelings and he forgets the facts. Right? He begins to focus on his feelings and he forgets the facts. It says his response. Elijah was what? Afraid. Right? Elijah was afraid when he got her message. And he ran to the town of Beersheba in Judah. He left his servant there. Then he walked another whole day into the desert. He is captured by his fear and by his emotions. And he begins to concentrate on his emotions. And he makes decisions based on his emotions. And he acts based on his emotions. What's the problem? Emotions are not the things that guide our decision making. Emotions are good. Emotions are a gift from God. They're there for us to express what's going on in our life. They're good. But they're not there to guide our decision making. Elijah is forgetting the facts. What's the facts? Jezebel couldn't do it if she wanted to. Jezebel couldn't do it if she wanted to. Her gods were already proven to be nothing. Jezebel couldn't do it if she wanted to because what? God had already proved his favor was on Elijah. And yet because of one little thing that somebody said that somebody said, he concentrates on his emotions and he gets captured in negativity and he runs and he flees. And to show you how captured he was, this guy doesn't just run. He runs for over a hundred miles. He's up in the northern kingdom and he runs to the southern kingdom. He runs for 100 to 130 miles to get away from Jezebel. How captured by fear is he? That's what happens. Negativity gets a foothold. We start making decisions on our emotions and we get captured by those emotions and we forget. We forget the fact. And then we get even deeper in our negative attitudes. Why? Because then we start focusing on what others are and we forget we are God's favorite. We start focusing on others. We forget we're God's favorite. Look look at what uh, Elijah does. He says, finally he came to a large bush. He sat down in the shade. He begged the Lord, I've had enough. Just let me die. I'm no better off than... Isn't that what we do? We get captured by the negative. It starts working in our lives. And then we start comparing ourselves with other people and saying... Oh, they've got it so good, and I just don't have it. They've got it so great. Look at them, and I just don't have it. They're so wonderful and perfect, and I just don't. Right? Now, no, what we're doing all the time when we do that, we always look at other people, and we compare ourselves to other people to their strengths. Don't we do that? We look at other people and see how great they are. We forget they've got their own weaknesses. We begin looking at other people. We compare ourselves to other people. We dig the negativity hole even deeper because we push ourselves down and we push ourselves down by comparison. Now, this, this wasn't before Elijah. This is after Elijah. Elijah at one time, remember, was living a God-confident life. To show you what that looks like, go back to 1 Kings 18 when he was meeting face-to-face with the king. It says, Ahab went to meet Elijah and when he saw him, Ahab shouted, okay? So he's meeting face-to-face with the king in, in 1 Kings 18. When he's captured by negativity, 
he's captured by a negativity because somebody said that somebody said, right? Now he's God confident, 18, he's in front of the king and the king says, there you are, the biggest troublemaker in Israel. Anybody heard that before? There you are, troublemaker. Biggest troublemaker in Israel. Elijah answered, you're the troublemaker, not me. Now is that God confident or what? He's in front of the king. And he remembers he's a favored child of God. He's the prophet of God. And he says, King, you got it wrong. You're the troublemaker. I'm not the troublemaker. But when negativity gets a hold of us, we start looking at others. We forget that we're favored. And we start digging the hole deeper in our negativity. And it gets even worse. We get into the negativity and we start blaming ourselves for the actions and the sins of others. Look at Elijah. He answered, Lord God, all-powerful, I've always done my best to obey you, but your people, your people have broken their solemn promises to you. What's he doing? Lord, you know, I've tried, but I guess I didn't do good enough. Lord, I've tried, but I guess I just wasn't the man of God you wanted me to be. Lord, I've tried, but it's just your people. It's just this, and it's just that, and it's just this, and it's just that. Don't we do that? We get captured by the negative and we start pointing to all the problems and we make all the problems whose fault? I mean, not mine. They do, but you know what I mean, right? We make them our fault, don't we? And then it goes more. It goes deeper. Last one. We get into the negative behaviors and then we exaggerate the situation. We look at all and it gets bigger and overwhelming and we exaggerate it. Elijah looked, he said, they've torn down your altars, they've killed all your prophets except me. Lord, I'm the only one. Everybody else is gone in all Israel. There's nobody else in all Israel, Lord, that loves you. It's only me. I'm the only one. I'm all alone. Do you get my point? Now, this isn't true. It's not true. God reminds Elijah that it's not true. He says, look, Elijah, 7,000 Israelites have refused to worship Baal, and they will live. God knows. God looks around, and he says, child of God, child of God, child of God, child of God, good. i got 7,000 of them. The prophet Elijah, captured by negative behavior, looks around and says, I can't see him. I'm the only one. When we get captured by negativity, we lose our sensitivity to see the positive power of God at work in the lives of others. And all we can see is all the negative. Have I got you depressed yet? Yeah, but isn't it true? You see, behavior like that, negativity behavior, just leads us further and further and further into that hole and we get captured by the negativity. Now, how do we counteract that? How do we get out of it? How do we put it off? How do we stay away from it? We dump the negative when we fill ourselves up on some other stuff, okay? We fill ourselves up on some other God stuff that doesn't give that negativity an opportunity. The first thing we need to remind ourselves of is to take care of ourselves physically. We're physical people. God created us to be physical people. We're responsible for this incredible creation of God that he's made us, right? But we've got to take care of it. When we don't take care of ourselves physically and we get worn down and we get tired and we don't exercise, we don't do all that stuff we're supposed to do, negativity has a greater opportunity to get into our lives. Look what, happened, what God does for Elijah when he's in the negative. 
Suddenly, an angel woke Elijah up and said, Get up and eat. See, he'd been running for over 130 miles. He was exhausted, and the whole time he didn't even stop at Arby's or anywhere. He just kept running, right? No McDonald's arches. There was no time. Why? He was just captured by the negativity. And isn't that what happened? We get captured by the negative, and then we don't eat. We don't sleep. Elijah, when he gets nourished by the angel, the angel begins to get him, getting him eating and getting him sleeping. Look what it says. Elijah looked around. By his head was a jar of water and some baked bread. And he sat up and he ate and he drank. Then he lay down and he went back to sleep. Soon the Lord's angel woke him up again. See that? And said, get up, eat, or else you're going to get tired for travel. So Elijah sat up, ate, and drank, and the food and the water made him strong enough to walk for 40 days. Isn't that awesome? You see, Elijah all of a sudden was now getting fortified in his physical nature to be able to accomplish what God wanted him to do. If you're going to get out of the negative and into the God-confident positive, it's because you start just taking care of yourself. You just start taking care of this physical part of who you are and who God made you to be physically. Second, you need to begin to get confident in God and in God's compassion. Get confident in God's compassion. What Elijah does is he gets trapped in the negativity and he begins to focus everywhere else instead of the right place. And that's the compassion and the power of God to work in life. Do you remember when he was God-confident and there was the altar and, and he prayed to the Lord? What was he doing? He said, Lord, you can do this. Show everybody. You know, show them I'm your servant, right? But when he's in the negative, he comes to God and he's pointing to other people. And it, You need to get to that place in your relationship with Christ where you just humble yourself and you pray and say, God, you need to step into my life because I'm captured by the negative. And you're the only one that can rescue me. You need to step into my life and start ordering whatever's going on out there. You need to step into my life and you need to start taking care of the problems that I'm perceiving. You need to step into my life, God, and start overpowering the negative and bring me back to living that God-confident life. Elijah said, Elijah was on Mount Sinai. He asked, Elijah, where are you? The Lord did. And he answered, Lord... God all-powerful, I've always done my best to obey you, but... You see, it's always that but, isn't it? It gets in the way. You see, we move from the negative to becoming God-confident when we turn things over and we say, I am so confident in God's compassion and His ability to work and change my life. Last step, we need to make sure that we get close to God. And this is God's remedy now for Elijah. When he is captured in this negative, God's remedy is to draw close to him. And he draws really close. It says in 1 Kings 19, God is talking to Elijah and God says, Go out and stand on the mountain. I want you to see me when I pass by. What does God want Elijah to do? Not just go out and stand outside, right? He wants him to see him, right? He wants him to see him. You need to begin to look for the presence of God in your life. When you're captured in the negative, you look at all the other stuff. 
to live a God-confident life, you need to start looking for the action of God. Look for God. Just look for God working in your life and in your circumstances. Look for God to draw near and close and start doing some stuff in your heart, your mind, and in your life and in your emotions. Look for God. Here's the last word. We dump the negative behavior when we keep our focus in the right place. We dump the negative behavior when we focus on God. I'll, I'll end with an exercise for you. I've got to wake you up. So i got a little exercise for you to try today. You ready? What I want you to do is, is stand up. There's enough light you can do this. Stand up for a minute. Stretch out a little bit. Don't pull your hamstring. Stand up. Now, here's what we're going to do. I just want you to close your eyes. And now don't touch the chairs because that will help you out. So close your eyes. And then I'm going to ask you to just kind of... You know, spin around one way and spin around the other way. Don't fall. Don't trip. We don't need a lawsuit. So just kind of spin around a little bit, okay? So just go ahead. Close your eyes, though. Spin around a little bit. And then now spin the other way a little bit, all right? All right? Now hopefully you're disoriented a little bit. And now point to the north. How'd you do? Yeah, most of you got it, right? If I could really spin you around, right? If I could really spin you around, what would happen? you'd get disoriented and you wouldn't be able to point your life in the right direction, right? You see, that's what happens to us. When negativity gets a foothold in our life, it just puts our life into a whirl, doesn't it? It just, it just makes our life swirl and, and we just lose our direction. What we need to make sure is we stay focused when our life starts swirling around. Just focus on what God has already done. Focus on what God has already done. All we need to do is remember what God has done in Christ. Paul tells us this in, in Philippians 4. And why don't you read that first line uh, with me when they get it up there. You ready? Let's read verse 4, that first line. You ready? Always be glad because of the Lord. Did you see those words in there? Because of? Did you see that? Isn't that awesome? See, we have no reason to get trapped by the negative because of the Lord. We have no reason to, to fall into that trap of, of a behavior that's downward spiraled negativity because of the Lord. No matter what happens in our life, no matter what we face, we are the chosen, favored ones for whom Jesus Christ laid down His life because of the Lord. Because of the Lord. We can live glad God-confident lives. Let's pray. Father, thanks. Thanks for this day. Thanks for just the opportunity to uh, be able to have our lives changed and, and remove from us all that negative stuff. Just remove all that negative stuff and instead help us to just stand on Mount Carmel for a while and just be awed by your presence and to see you work and uh, to see you just show up and make a difference. Father, we pray today that you would just show up in our lives, draw near to each one of us, help us to stay focused in the right place and when we are, to live that life confident in you. We pray it through Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Hey, some of you are already standing. Good for you. You can bend your knees if you've been up a while.